Now it's time for the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast. Bad boy good. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one of Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your commish, Tommy Moe, bringing you another banger of an episode, this time talking about rookie ADP for Dynasty Rookie Drafts and Startups. And joining me today to talk rookies is the Devi guru himself, the creator of the Destination Devi, DLF contributor, and the newest member of the Fade the Noise team with Brad Evans, Mr. Ray Garvin. What's up, Ray? Welcome to the two-on-one. Man, it's been a it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to work this date out for it feels like some months now, but we we finally made it happen, and I'm excited and I appreciate you. Yep, brand new uh, team member with Fade the Noise, Brad Evans, Elliot, Christ, Kevin Adams, a great group of guys over there. So really excited about that, and excited to talk some rookie ADP with you this evening. Hell yeah, Ray. Yeah, it has been a f- uh, couple of months, and um, I appreciate you carving some time out of your busy schedule. Uh, we always out there grinding. We always see all the, all the content that you're consistently point, uh, putting out. And, and it's a real, uh, it's a real honor to have you on the show to, to talk rookies. Um, you know, and for, for some of our listeners that may not know you that don't follow Ray GQ on Twitter at Ray GQ, make sure you're <laughs> following him. But Ray, why don't you give us a little bit of a, your background? Um, you know, I, I know we clicked over over the college football thing, um, but yeah, can you just let us know a little bit about your college history and how you got into the fantasy community? Yeah, former uh, Division II collegiate uh, football player, played at Shadron State College, small state school in Nebraska. Danny Woodhead. A, Danny Woodhead, we were part <laughs> of the same 2004 recruiting class, so oh, I actually yeah. got to play with uh, play with Woody and see him operate day in and day out, and you know, the things that he did on the practice field, I, I really wasn't shocked that he was able to have success in the NFL. The the best athlete that I've ever seen, you know, in person, and I mean athlete from wow. football, track and field, basketball, golf, the dude was just I mean, born to be an athlete. So uh, played a little bit of Division two college football and uh, got into this space, man, to be honest with you, just uh, I love fantasy, I love dynasty, and it was the 2018 rookie draft I believe that I was just listening to analysts and I was just thinking I can do this better than some of these people this is not I'm not feeling this there's no way this player is as good as they're making them seem like yeah. that that they, you know I just I felt like I could do a better job than some people and I, I'm, I don't mean that in an arrogant way but I wanted <laughs> to give it a try so in 2019 I said the hell with it I'm going to try this thing out and started putting some player threads out on Twitter and you know, it was noticed by a couple of people that gave me a shot, and a year later, here we are. <laughs> Crazy, and just just past ten thousand followers. Congrats on uh, Twitter for that. <laughs> yeah, appreciate you, man. Yeah, so you know the the D two thing, uh, playing college football. You know, there's not a lot of us fantasy football analysts out there that actually did play the game of football. And you know, if you you've been a listener to the two on one for a while now, you know that that's that's our thing. That you know, we play the game. And then we play fantasy football for, you know, decades now. So, you know, we really know this game of football. And so for me to see another ex-football player, you know, bringing your knowledge of the game, because um, you play DB, is that correct? Yep, play defensive back. Yeah, so bringing that knowledge from studying other offenses, studying different players, and then putting the fantasy football twist on it. Um, you know, for me, I, I gravitate to that right away. I mean, your, your, your breakdown, your analysis of these players – um, it's not just X's and O's or even just the numbers, but you, you know, you bring it home and, and, and it makes sense. And, um, yeah, to, to have yeah. you on this show today, I, I'm pretty pumped. So, um, <laughs> so what and, would and, you say? And, 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 and one thing to that, Tommy, because that's important, right? And it's not the fact that because we played football, we know more than you like, right. no, that's, that's absolutely not what I don't I don't think I, I've ever said that I don't think you've said that nope. and majority of people don't but there is something to having played the game and just sort of understanding some 
simple nuances, right, that I see when I when I'm watching wide receivers as a former defensive back. Like I kind of know, like this would actually work at the next level, or this this works in football. It's it's just knowing, you know, watching mm-hmm. film. It's not it's not watching. You're not watching the game for entertainment. Like film study in college is horrible. I mean, Hell you're yeah. sitting there. You'll literally watch the same play 20 times over. Like, come on, coach, get through it. So <laughs> it's just it's those little things. And and you know, sometimes people are like, oh, how can how can this player say that? He just wasn't feeling it today. He didn't have a good game. I've been there. I've mm-hmm. been there where I just practice all week sucked. I got other stuff going on, and I'm just kind of half-assing it on the – you know, you don't – you don't. that's not the overwhelming feeling, but you, you could sort of empathize with these players and, and, and understand different viewpoints having played the game. Right. And I think, uh, you know, you, you hit a good, good point about watching film. Um, because there's lots of guys that, that you can learn the game. You can't understand the game without playing it, right? There, there's great coaches that never played the game. But watching film as a college athlete, it, it's, a, it, it's a different thing. It, it's, you're, you're looking at it at a way different lens, and then you're trained to do it as well. And so that's why I think, you know, like you're saying, it just gives you a different perspective on the game that, that other people may not have. And, um, you know how you you bring that to the to the masses that are reading your work and listening to your podcast. Uh, I, I think it really shows that you know this game because you've played it. Yep, nail on the head. I, I think it's hard nowadays to, to do a podcast right now without you know addressing anything that's going on in the world. I mean, any podcast that's been recording lately has been talking about COVID. Um, there's other ones I've been talking about the protests and. You know, where I did want to just touch on it a little bit is one thing that Roger Goodell gets is a lot of flack from everyone all the time. And in, in 2016, he did have a problem um, with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And now we've seen now in 2020, he's kind of reversing course and, and changing how he feels about saying he would support Colin on a team. Um, Ray, I just wanted to ask, do you, you think that's really showing that the tides are turning um, or is Roger Goodell just kind of playing to to the crowd and to the masses of you know saying what he should be saying? Um, I, I would the the eternal optimist in me would like to believe that it is turning a corner. I would say it's fifty fifty. I think there is more recognition of what's going on, and I do think there are some people who have a better understanding, and that doesn't mean that they necessarily agree with some of the black players, but they have a better understanding of uh, their perspective with the situation. Uh, when it comes to Kaepernick and Goodell, I think it's 50-50. I think a little bit of his, a little bit of it is placating to the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then I do think some of it is, you know, some, you know, learned uh, information, some more understanding, uh, seeing things from a different viewpoint. My whole thing is, do we even know that Colin Kaepernick even wants to play? You know what I mean? And right. and I thought this years ago. This has nothing to do with 2020. I just, I always just thought like uh, he's probably making as good of money now doing his own thing, opposed to being on the field taking the abuse. Uh, like why? Yeah. We're we're four years removed, or however many years removed from him playing. Like, do we even? We're, we're talking. I just. I kind of am sick of talking about him to a certain degree. Like, if he wanted to play, I think he would have said something. Or, but we're not hearing it's everybody else talking about Con Kaepernick getting a job. But I've yet to see him say, "I want to be on a team." You know, my services are available to thirty-two other ball clubs. So, uh, a part of me is just like, until he says anything, why are we even talking about him? Um, and then you know, as far as Goodell and and others, I think it's fifty-fifty. I think. It's a little bit of recognition, but definitely a little bit of uh, pandering to the audience. Yeah, and with Colin, you know, I know he had that workout last year, um, and and so I think his head definitely was still trying to get back in the game. But, yeah, you're right. As far as 2020, we haven't heard things, but we've heard Pete Carroll and other coaches say they would welcome on the team, that he would have a fit there. Um, I, I just, you know, in a couple of uh, in a couple startups recently, I, I picked up Colin uh, pretty late, especially in like a super flex draft, uh, in like the 28th round. Um, do you, any, uh, what's your, uh, what do you have a prediction if he'll, if he'll end up on a team this year? 
um, you know, regardless if he said anything or not. Yeah, I grabbed him off waivers in quite a few leagues just for the cheap. I just picked him up, whatever. I've still got Andrew Luck on my team, so Colin <laughs> Kaepernick has probably got just as probably a better chance than Luck to, to come back and play. But, uh, yeah, I'd I pick him up, and do I think – I don't know, man. I just, I, I really don't know. It could be a burned roster spot. If he does come back, he's, what, 32 years old, which yep. isn't old by quarterback standards, but how, you know, how, how long is it going to take him to get acclimated to the game, and will he regain that form that he showed in San Francisco early in his career? I don't know. But I, I definitely think he's worth a late-round flyer. Why not at yeah. that point? At that cost, why not? especially when you have like a 30 man roster, right. And you have so many guys that are just out there for free or cheap that you could just pick up right now. Um, if he does get the opportunity and he is playing at that high level, then, then yeah, you definitely snagged a steal really late. So, so moving forward, um, you know, with, with guys coming back uh, to practice at, at college levels and, and, you know, getting COVID getting tested for COVID, um, and, and finding that they're positive, you know, if this continues, do you think we're going to have a football season this year? Or, or I know you're hoping that we're going to have one, but um, <laughs> what's your thoughts on, on if they can find a way, you know, to, to either boost herd immunity on the team or find some way to get players out there? Uh, do you think we'll see a football season and, and in what state will it be in? Oh, man. Uh, I think we see some sort of football season. I do believe that. Do we see a complete season? Do, do we see a full 17, however many damn games are in the NFL now, 17, 18, I don't know. Will we see that? I don't know. Are we going to see a complete college football season? I'll just say that they're preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've got some some close people that, that work at within university athletics, and they're preparing. I know Division Two has uh, recently – minimize the maximum amount of competitions allowed for student athletes so while they won't be playing the full allotment of games i think division two football caps out at 10 games and they still are prepping for the division two playoff run my thing is after thanksgiving break that's when things will really uh, we'll we'll really see because that's cold and flu season right? right and that's sort of when stuff started to hit the fan in China before it got over here to us. So I I think that there's a very real possibility and, and the NFL is different, right? You've got 32 sort of teams filled with independent contractors to a certain degree and they want to be paid. They, they want their money and you know, not, you know, we all know football money isn't guaranteed. Right. So uh, I, I think we have a better chance of seeing a more complete NFL season than we do a collegiate football season because every university is not created equal. Mm -hmm. They all don't have the same revenue. They all don't have the same resources. They don't all have the same medical training staff. They don't all have the same infrastructure. So, you know, you can't, we sit there and we watch LSU play Mercer on TV on Saturday, but the resources and the availability to contain, to test, to, whatever at the university of mercer opposed to uh, louisiana state university is completely different so and they're student athletes so from a liability standpoint i i I don't know what the college football season is going to look like i'm more confident that the nfl i mean hell or high water i think those the the owners are going to have those guys out there i just I, i don't foresee Maybe a delayed start, but we're going to see some football this season, both college and NFL. And if I were to gamble right now, i say we have a better chance of seeing a complete NFL season before we have a, a chance of seeing a complete collegiate season. Yeah, and, and you're in Texas, right? Yep. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm in California, so, you know, two big high school football states. Uh, I know for high school football in California, they're already pushing back the season, the start of the season. Uh, to try to accommodate some of these late starts to getting uh, to summer practices. And then for the NFL, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, these owners are not going to want to lose out on the revenue. But what I'm worried about is, are, are we even if that does happen, are we still going to have fans out there? You know, are we going to have even half the fans out there? Are they going to try to social distance? Uh, are they going to try to fill it with dummies if, if they can't have fans out there? Like, um, I think it was Korean League uh, Baseball was doing. And so, 
you know, I, I yeah, I, I get I get your point with with the NFL. Yeah, and I think um, there's a lot more liability that you can get away with than you have to uh, than than you can with college athletes, especially especially those not in Division One programs, right? And everyone thinks about college athletes, and everyone had like you know their their eyes on an LSU Alabama type schools, um, but there's a lot of college athletes out there that are D2, D3 programs, NAIA programs that aren't getting the same amount of resources as those big schools. Heck, and there's still some Division One schools that don't get the same resources <laughs> right. as other Division One schools. You know, you've got, and I'm just throwing it out there, UNLV, San Jose State, mm-hmm. University of uh, Texas at El Paso. You know, that not all Division Ones are created equal. Right. Not all. So it's there's just a lot. There are over a hundred and thirty two FBS Division One college football teams, and then like you said. We haven't even hit the FCS schools, and then Division Two, then Division Three, then NAI, then Junior College. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just—I—I I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how that looks. And then travel too with all those schools too, you know. And and that's one of the things that we did try to limit was the travel. And now we're going to open that up again, and and we'll see how it goes. And so, yeah, I, I think you know everyone is just holding their breath and and hoping it, hoping it still happens. I mean, it, I can't imagine a season. Um, without fantasy football, uh, you know, I, let alone just watching sports on TV um, to not be able to play fantasy, I think is one thing we all love and why we're listening to this podcast right now is because it's a fantasy football podcast. And so, yeah, it, it, crossing my fingers, we're, we're really hoping it's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, in the event it does happen, right, you're gonna, still going to have rookie drafts that have already uh, taken place and, and dynasty startups that can continue up into the season. So let's move right along to, to talking about some rookie ADPs and, and some of those top 10 guys uh, that you have on your list, Ray. And, you know, I think um, right now there, there may be a consensus of the top three, but even that top spot, I uh, definitely heard a lot of differing opinions. So who's your overall number one rookie going into 2020? Oh, it's Claude Edwards. <laughs> it's, it's, it's CEH. I mean, he's, do I do I have to really dive into why? I mean, he plays on the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. And, oh, by the way, the head coach is Andy Reid. Andy Reid, yep. Yeah, I want the pass-catching running back who Patrick Mahomes has no problem dumping it off to, who they wanted. They had their shot at every single running back in the 2020 class, and they wanted that guy, and they took him in the first round. It's Clyde Edwards Elaire. He's he's going to even if he doesn't rush four thousand yards or have a thousand receiving yards, he's a lock to have a thousand total yards at minimum. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about how prolific that offense is, they're going to be in positions to score. They're going to be at the goal line, they're going to be in the red zone, and he's a weapon. What are you what are you, as a defense, what are you going to do? You cannot allocate two defenders to a running back out of the backfield. So now you've got a linebacker on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's a mismatch because you've got a double Kelsey. You've got to worry about Tyreek Hill. You have McCall Hardman on the other side, and Patrick Mahomes is a freaking wizard, and Andy Reid and him are simpatico. So it's it's not even close for me. If, if we're just talking about the 2020 NFL season and we were putting these rookies in tiers, Clyde Edwards with Lair would be in tier one and there would be no other rookie inside of that tier. He'd be on that island by himself. It's CEH. Hell yeah. And was it always CEH even before his landing spot? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. If before landing spot, I believe I had Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. As my number one. I mean, just and he lands in a hell of a landing spot himself with right. Indianapolis, but uh, the problem is I, I have more confidence that Marlon Mack will be more involved than a Damian Williams. So uh, that's what keeps JT suppressed just a little bit for this season. I'm not talking long term. Yeah. I'm talking 2020. But this year it's CEH, and for me it is not close. And I know how I feel about Damian Williams, but do you have any concern about Damian Williams still being there and having a good end to his season last year concern no but he's going to be involved uh he's he's not a bad running back i don't know why damian williams gets the gets the heat and the slack that he does uh, 
people were drafting him in round two of redraft leagues. Yep. What was it a year ago? Yep. Two years ago? Early so, second round. Yeah, early second round. He's a good running back. I mean, his size, his speed, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He just has never been, and when he had the opportunity to be the bell cow, he was injured. He just never had that opportunity to lead a backfield. But my thing is, in the NFL today, there are very few running backs where it's just you give him the ball and he's taking 80% of the workload. You want to have two running backs. You want, want You don't want you know, somebody to – yes, for fantasy, we would love for – everyone to get the ball every single time but the reality is these teams want to preserve their assets and the best way to protect ceh is to make sure he's got some help and Mm -hmm. whether that's in the whole who starts and who doesn't is very overrated you know how many times james white started but then he's in the game with four minutes left and catches eight passes for 52 yards and a touchdown in the fourth quarter i don't i don't care who starts per se clyde is going to be involved in that offense and uh, Damian Williams is going to be involved in that offense. We saw him and LaShawn McCoy together last year. This is a better version of that backfield. So uh, I, I'm not concerned of what Damian Williams is going to do to Edwards Elair's production, no. Yeah, and, and you, you definitely hit it with, with the rest of the talent around CEH in Kansas City because it's just speed all over the place. I mean, all they draft is speed and talent and let those guys just run wild. I was able to watch Kansas City play last year live, and it was insane how open guys were getting all the time, all over the place, and the way Andy Reid used guys running in the slot, running the the swing routes uh, off to the side, bubble screens. I mean, it just gets the opportunities for his guys, and the plugs a player like CEH in that offense is going to be great. Um, I'm personally still a little bit higher on Jonathan Taylor, I think just from uh, – a skill set and a talent standpoint, but yeah, that opportunity for CEH coupled with everything else is is phenomenal. Um, you know, looking at the next, you know, three, four running backs, um, and I think this is where the debate kind of picks up a little bit more. Um, but who do you, who do you have ranked higher right now between Dobbins, Swift, and Cam Akers? I've got Cam Akers as my number two rated running back for 2020, not dynasty, not long term. But this year, I've got Cam Akers right behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I do agree with your sentiment that I believe Jonathan Taylor is a more talented running back than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 100%. I mean, we have not seen a size-speed specimen like Jonathan Taylor. Even Saquon Barkley wasn't as impressive of a size-speed specimen as Jonathan Taylor. Uh, In in my, my ranking of JT has nothing to do with his talent in his situation. It's just I do not believe that they are going to give him that type of opportunity with Marlon Mack there probably for his last season. Yeah. Mack is a talented running back himself, so I do think Mack will be more involved in that offense than Damian Williams may really be a threat to Clyde Edwards-Elair. But I have... Cam Akers uh, as my second-rated rookie running back. Second-rated rookie, period, overall for 2020 purposes. Nice. Yeah, I like Cam. Um, I like him a lot more than Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown and John Kelly. So I think uh, – Get out of here with that mess, man. People have got to stop with that. And and check this out, Tommy. Last year, Todd Gurley, last year – Broken knee, Tom Gur- uh, Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. 51 red zone carries last year. 51 red zone carries. Uh, it, for, for a player who we all were just like ready to just discard. So uh, I'm not worried about Malcolm Brown. And in between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, I believe they caught six total passes last season in limited duty. So... Uh, I, it's it's going to be Cam Akers' show sooner rather than later in L.A. Yeah, I'm liking Cam. Um, and, and, you know, you know, we want to talk about ADP a little bit here too. Um, so right now we got Cam. Where's Cam going? And Fantasy Pros at running back 29. Um, and that's behind Kareem Hunt, uh, behind DeAndre Swift as well, David Montgomery. And, I mean, in your eyes, is he is he worthy of being a much higher – uh, drafted player. I don't know about much higher. I mean, he's right outside of that, you know, that that back end RB two range. 
You know, even even at RB29, you're looking at a weekly flex play, it, you mm-hmm. know, if you've got Akers on your team. He's a flex play that gives you RB2, potentially RB1 weekly upside. So, uh, you know, David Montgomery is the starter. Uh, Kareem Hunt is a pseudo starter. So, uh, I, I'm, I don't hate the ADP. I wouldn't. I would personally be okay taking them a little bit higher than RB twenty nine. Yeah, and would you be comfortable if we were still in rookie draft season? Uh, would you be drafting him as high as your second ranked player? Would if you had the second pick, would no, you be picking no. Cam Akers? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'd be JT. It'd yeah. be JT. And so, what about uh, what about receivers? Uh, who's your number one? Um, I think that that position has definitely had a lot more. Uh, scrutiny a lot more uh, argument uh, over the offseason um, from a redraft and a dynasty perspective yeah I mean it's it's a reality these wide receivers a tough position to play it's it's especially when you've got these wide receivers coming out of college that never faced press coverage that have not faced and gone against complicated zone schemes who may not you know have played with very good quarterbacks or the way that the offense was ran they were just kind of schemed open and sort of just had to play pitch and catch so there's a ton of of learning involved and they've missed rookie mini camp they've missed OTAs Mm -hmm. there's going to be a modification of training camp so there's definitely a a, a more steep learning curve than turnaround handball run ball but there are some wide receivers that did land in some situations that could yield positive fantasy points in 2020 you know, at a much higher clip than we're accustomed to. And two guys that I'm particularly high in for redraft purposes and for Dynasty both landed in situations where I can see them becoming and being the number one receiver on their team before the end of the season. And I'm talking about Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings and Jalen Rager from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think there's a very real possibility that this season in 2020 that those are the number one targets at the wide receiver position for those respective teams. So those are two rookie wide receivers that I am very interested in in, for redraft purposes and in dynasty. I love that, Ray. And and it's not, you know, I I don't, I don't see it as a hot take. I'm I'm sure you don't because you, you you see uh, the the potential there and and the talent and the opportunity. And, but I I love that. Uh, I love that. It's not Jerry Judy and CD lamb right off the bat, you know, that it is Justin Jefferson and Rager because yeah, though Justin Jefferson is in a great position um to to take over, to take over Adam Thielen now and in the long term. I mean with Stefan Diggs leaving, it just puts him in a great opportunity in Minnesota. And and Rager, I mean, gosh, if anyone listening has been on Twitter this offseason, you you know how how Ray loves Jalen Rager and has been on that train from the beginning, pumping him up. And, and, you know, it's even with, uh, even with Deshaun Jackson coming back and Alshon Jeffrey, you think, what do you think mid season or end of season that he's wide receiver one? I mean, I think it's, I think it's potentially sooner rather than later. You're talking about a a beaten Alshon Jeffrey, who's dealing with the Liz Frank injury. And the last report that I saw, they didn't even have a timetable for his return. You're talking about a now 33-year-old Deshaun Jackson who played in one game last year. And then you're talking about Greg Ward, a converted quarterback who showed decent last year. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who struggled to beat press coverage in college, and he struggled to do it in the NFL. I think he's got a role in the red zone. But the number one target is going to be Zach Ertz, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And I believe after that, there's a very real possibility that from day one, it's Jalen Rager. And this has nothing to do with my uh, hyping of him throughout the offseason. I was a big fan of his talent. And he lands in a situation where, again, a 33-year-old deep threat deep threat who played in one game last year, uh, Liz Frank injured Alshon Jeffrey, who always seems to be injured, and then a rookie, what did they take? Garthega Whiteside in the second round, and then they backdoor had to go take a first round wide receiver this year. Yep. And Greg Ward, uh, I just when when you're when you're this has nothing to do with bias. It has nothing to do with 
uh, a hot take or, or, you know, whatever. It's look at the situation that he's in. The Eagles, I believe, ranked ninth in passing last year. Carson Wentz is back another year removed from his injury, so he's, he's more healthy. You've got a dynamic running back in Miles Sanders. Why not Rager number one? It's when has Deshaun Jackson been a, a legitimate number one for his team? And again, thirty-three years old. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's well before midseason that he is the the potential barring injury. He's the focal point of that offense from a wide receiver standpoint. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's crazy to think about Deshaun Jackson being old at thirty-three uh, in the league, which is true. Um, but I played against Deshaun Jackson in high school. And so it's weird to think about that, that I am definitely super old for the NFL right now at only 35. Uh, But right now, (laughs) uh, looking at Undroppables uh, ADP uh, for Dynasty Superflex startups uh, on Sleeper, uh, we have Jalen Rager at wide receiver 30 right now. And so given your take on him for this season and your analysis on his opportunity to be a wide receiver one pretty quick, do you think that's way too low in your opinion? Well, I think that's, I mean, wide receiver 30, that puts a rookie right there in that wide receiver three territory. In most leagues, we're starting three wide receivers. So you're rolling Rager out there at wide receiver 30. You're rolling him out there. And he is one of those players. I, I do not believe that he's a top 15 wide receiver as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think he can finish as a, you know, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 23, is a wide receiver two as a rookie. So I don't think it's... I don't think it's way too low, but I definitely believe there's upside with getting him at wide receiver 30. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you're if you're getting him as as your wide receiver three on your roster to pair with two other studs, I don't know, Michael Thomas and Cooper Cup or something, and then then you're getting kind of a steal, I believe, there. If he's if his ADP can remain that low and people don't listen to this podcast and don't listen to what Ray's saying about how he's gonna be the man on the Eagles team. Um, so if you're listening, <laughs> stop listening right now because I'm giving away too much free info. Well, you made a good point too. So if you've got two just stud wide receivers, they're, they're safe, they're, they've got a high floor and a high ceiling. Let's just say you started out with Michael Thomas and then you backdoored with a, a Chris Godwin or a Mike mm. Evans, something like that. If you get a player like Rager, you're insulated because you have such high floor wide receivers but then if Michael Thomas goes out there and does what he normally does, and then Mike Evans goes out there and gives you a good game, and then you're starting Rager on the week that he goes eight catches for 150 yards and two TDs, he goes nuclear, then you've just you, you've capped out your wide receiver roster spots you know, for that week. I mean, you've won your week with that type of upside. And even if the, the flip side happens where – he goes out there and he plays like a rookie wide receiver and he finishes two for 24, well, at least you were insulated by a Michael Thomas mm-hmm. and a Mike Evans that week. So it's it's all like, you know, it's how do you construct your team? How do you build that thing? So I definitely believe he, he provides that high upside if you're protected already with some studs at wide receiver. Yeah, and that's a great point. And I think that sometimes, you know, that that's the key to victory, at least on those weekly plays where – you know, you're, you're constructing your team, at least how I like to play, where you're constructing your team with those high floor players. And then in your flex or um, in, in that third spot, uh, you're, you're going for boom or bust, you know, and then you're hitting those booms on those right weeks. And then with your consistent players, uh, uh, the last couple of years, I've kind of switched to that philosophy a bit with with constructing my dynasty teams and, and even redraft in a way, too. Um, but it's. You, you, to have that high upside, to have that potential long term in a dynasty league, um, is is great. And to get him at, at wide receiver thirty with with yeah top fifteen upside in a couple of years would would be phenomenal. Yeah, I think I think that's well within his range of outcomes. I I, I really do, and it's not what I believe because of what I saw on tape. It's a situation, mm-hmm. and he was a first round pick wide receiver who does have talent. He's got some things he's got to clean up on, but the, the raw talent and the playmaking ability is 100% there. So, you know, in the top 10, are, are there any guys that have traditionally traditionally been in the top 10 so far that you think are too high uh, and should maybe um, be be ranked a little bit lower? You know, these guys like Henry Ruggs, uh, 
um, Justin, oh no, not Justin Jefferson, but T Higgins, um, you know, anyone like that, you know, JK Dobbins, that, that, you know, you're lower on, um, a little bit more long-term where, yeah. Um, you know, long-term I'm, I'm pretty high on a JK Dobbins. I'm, I'm quite high on P Higgins, Henry Ruggs, the jury is still out. I'm optimistic and I'm hoping that with him being the first wide receiver off of the board, that they give him every opportunity to become the number one on that team. But for fantasy, you know, seasonal leagues and in dynasty, I just, I don't, I won't have much exposure, if any, to Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs. If you're talking best ball, then I would, that's my quintessential best ball wide receiver. I want Henry Ruggs on my roster. I just, I, I'm still, I just have to see it, man. He, he wasn't his number one nor number two and sometimes wasn't even the number three option on his own team. Yep. And while some people might say, well, that was because he was playing with all these other wide receivers. Well, dude, if you couldn't beat out your collegiate competition, what makes me, why should I be confident that you're going to go to the NFL and just, yeah. you know, and I'm, listen, Hunter Renfro, he might not have the 10th of talent that Henry Ruggs has, but he's produced and I've seen him win in the NFL. Tyrell Williams, we might not be, you know, he might not be some world beater, but he's remained a starter in the NFL for years. So he's played NFL football. You've got Darren Waller there and Josh Jacobs. So I just, and then they drafted Brian Edwards, who I believe is a better wide receiver than Henry Ruggs. Again, may not have the talent, the speed, the athleticism, I think he's a better wide receiver right now at their stage of the career at their stages of their careers than a Henry Ruggs. So I, I just I won't have much of any exposure to him at his cost right now. And I don't know what his cost is, but it's too high for me. <laughs> it's definitely too high. Um, and that's so funny too though, because um you know, the argument of, you know, not being able to beat out your own team. It's like, what do you think is going to happen in the NFL? Like, who are you going against in the NFL? You know, and, and I think that was a great argument for Hunter Renfro is that he was beating out NFL caliber talent at Clemson and then has shown it already that he could do the same thing in the NFL. Yep. That's that's really what it boils <laughs> down to. It's it. That, and that's true. It, 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 it That's really what it boils down to. He he did it in college and he's doing it in the NFL and he's not going to go away. He's got that slot role and he thrived in it last year. I, I like Hunter Renfro. Yeah, he that's that's my dude right there. Um uh, for me as a, as a Laker fan, um you know, a, a, another guy that he reminds me of is Alex Caruso for the Lakers. Uh and that's yep. not just cuz they're white boys that are balling uh in the NFL and the NBA, but because they're so good, you know, and they're so unassuming. Uh, you, you don't expect it coming from them, but they ball out. Yeah, cats like that just work their tail off, man. And I'm a big Lakers fan as well. And, you know, you, you see it early. We saw it with Caruso during Summer League a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. it's good to see that hard work and that grind pay off for players like that. And Hunter Renfro has been doubted probably every time he stepped on the football field. Have you seen his uh, combine picture? This dude yeah, looks like a – Terrible. Just looks like some – yeah, some random guy that would just be walking down the street and he's out there tearing defensive backs' ankles apart. So uh, kudos to him, man. Like he was just walking down the street in Indianapolis and like saw something going on and like walked in. Hey, what's going, what's happening in here? Yeah, and hey, took a picture. Hey, you want to play football? <laughs> yeah, you want to play slot? Here we go. Come on. Try it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> So, you know, with the recent news of, of uh, Debo Samuel um, being out, hopefully for not very much, very long of the season, um, does, uh, does Brandon Ayuk go up in your rankings at all? Yep. <laughs> he sure does. Uh, he moved up quite a bit for me. He was outside of my top 10. And I believe on my last show I had him sixth or seventh. Uh, yeah, he moved up a ton and the knock on Debo coming out of South Carolina was injury history. And I get it. It was, you know, doing during a passing session, but it's another injury and it's a foot injury for a player who a lot of his game is predicated on physicality and yards after the catch. I just, you know, wide receivers and foot injuries, that's kind of scary. And as soon as he's cleared, we don't know when he's going to actually be 
fully healthy and, and ready to go at full speed. So when you're talking about the pass catchers for the San Francisco 49ers, you've got what is it is Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Marquise mm-hmm. Goodwin is gone. You've got Kendrick Bourne. You've got Brandon Ayuk, who was a first-round pick. They had their choice of a lot of wide receivers, and they went with Ayuk. And in Kyle Shanahan, I trust. I, I truly believe that he knows what he's doing. They're going to run the ball quite a bit. They're going to make sure that the passes that Jimmy Garoppolo throws are efficient throws. And, you know, let's be real. The number one wide receiver is George Kittle. So yep. is there a world in which Brandon Ayuk is the number two option until Debo is ready to roll? Sure. And I know people have this thing for Jalen Hurd. Let me tell you what <laughs> Jalen Hurd isn't. He's not a number one wide receiver or number two wide receiver. He's just not. He's not that. He wasn't that. He was a running back at Tennessee who transferred to Baylor and played wide receiver for one season. So uh, he he's not that yet, and he didn't play last year. So uh, you've got to take Brandon Ayuk a little more serious uh, today than we did maybe a week and a half ago. Yeah, and I almost liked Jalen Hurd's situation more uh, with Debo there because he could just kind of be a little bit more of a gadget-type player, um, a hybrid-type player that, that Shanahan could use in multiple different sets in front and, and, and some trickery to move him around the field and, and especially in the red zone. But I agree with you. He's definitely not a number one receiver. He has the build possibly the talent but you know i think you know it it takes a little bit of time to develop that skill set especially for the nfl as a true wide receiver especially a wide receiver one that's going to play the x and and really um pressure the defense to you know with with going long with getting open um and being them off the line of scrimmage and so yeah i i I really like jalen hurd but um I'm I'm curious to see how it's really going to play out now, you know, and what he's going to do now, and and yeah, right. big big ups for for Ayuk now going into this season because that's just phenomenal opportunity for him, and hopefully, like I said, Depot's coming back sooner rather than later. Yep. All right, so let's go. Um, how about any any late round gems like guys outside the top ten? Um, you kind of already mentioned Brian Edwards. That's definitely one of my guys. Um, but anyone else that you really have your eye on that? You know, and a rookie draft is really turning into like a, a mid to late second to third round steal. Um, someone that could really surprise, uh, you know, maybe this year, but but definitely within a year or two. I think Joshua Kelly is a name to keep uh, to keep on our radars. A local kid, you know, he gets to stay home in California, but played at UCLA, now with the Los Angeles Chargers. I think I think he's got a shot, right? All he has to do is really beat out Justin Jackson, who, to me, looks okay at best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that means nothing. If Anthony Lynn and the Chargers like him, that's what matters. But right. if I were going to bank on a running back, and, and I don't know how much work they want to give Austin Eckler between the tackles. He was fantastic in the role that he played last year, and – while he may be the starter and see a couple of more uh, opportunities, maybe rushing and receiving, they're going to want a complimentary back. And I think Joshua Kelly fits the mold of that, uh, you know, first and second down grinder who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed well throughout his pre-draft process and tested a lot better than people thought he would. So I think Joshua Kelly is one of those players for me that, you know, mid to late third, if I can pick him up and if I'm in a league where people really aren't paying attention, then even later than that. But he's definitely a player that I have my eye on. And so, you know, I, I, I really like Josh Kelly. I mean, being, again, from Southern California, I got to watch him play firsthand. And, and, and yeah, I was hoping he'd get a little bit of a better landing spot. But I think the opportunity's there. And and the real question I really have for you is is Austin Eckler really the real deal? You know, I'm looking at his dynasty ADP right now uh, on Fantasy Pros, and and he's at 16th overall at the running back 11. Um, do you have that same kind of faith in him? For this season, yes. Um, Long term, I don't know. I, I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. I believe he was dealing with some stingers, and I, I just don't know if he's that featured back in the traditional role like if he's going to play this 
feature back role where they just kind of throw him the ball a lot, then okay, sure. But long term, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know if that's his place. I don't know if that's his his role. If if I had Austin Eckler in a league, I'd be trying to sell him now. I'd be trying to I'd be trying to capitalize on that value mm-hmm. and and get rid of him personally. I just I don't think he's I don't think he's that guy long term. I think he's he's that guy for now, but long term I just the Chargers are in a weird situation, man. They just drafted a young quarterback and can I see him growing with Justin Herbert? No, I can't. So yeah. um because of that, I, I think Herbert definitely outlasts him and look Here's my here's my advice to people, man. Here's my advice. Two years ago, I would have never have imagined Dave David Johnson being traded to the Texans and Todd Gurley being released yep. and ends and ending up on the. Fa- I would not have if you would have said, "I'll give you a million dollars if if you believe this is." I would have turned. There's no way. There's no way. Todd Gurley had just come off of a MVP caliber season. And David Johnson was, you know, he was on track to become David Johnson again. Yeah. I just, and look how quick stuff changed for those two running backs. It just, it's a replaceable position in the NFL. And, you know, I, what what did Austin Eckler sign? Uh, what, what, how long was his deal? I don't even know. Was yeah, it a three-year deal or was it, what was his deal? Let's see, contract. $24.5 million. Four years with 15 million guaranteed. So 15 mil guaranteed, and that was probably paid up front, or it's probably early in the contract. I just, I don't know if he's going to get through all four years. And even if he does, I think by that fourth year, third or fourth year, he reverts back to that pass catching role and they find whether it's Joshua Kelly or they draft a running back in 2021. They find that true workhorse back. It's just a, it's a position that I don't. It's a it's a it's <laughs> it's a quick sell, man. You get yeah. it, you use them, and you get rid of them. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I totally I, I get that, and I understand that because it's you're seeing it right. But as a player, as a former player, I think you know like how much team continuity matters and having that guy that's. That's being that workhorse player. That's being um, that that is producing and someone you can really rely on. How much that means to a team, and then that's what is, makes the NFL so different because it's not just about that team. It's about contracts and the business. And and yeah, unfortunately, you can find a guy to fill in, and you can find a guy that is going to get it done without that top contract. Or you're constantly just rotating through these guys and, and their rookie contracts. And when their deal's up, you just ship them off and. I don't know if it's uh, you know just playing money ball or or it's a totally different NFL you know because I can't imagine you know Zeke and, and Saquon being somewhere else but it definitely could happen and like you said um, you know with, with Gurley and uh, if you said that two years ago that would have been the hottest take ever you know no one was gonna believe you <laughs> and you'd get roasted on Twitter for saying that but you'd be absolutely yeah, right. It's- it's just it's just the position that it that's that's the nature of it, and I do think teams are wising up. Like I'll you I'll use your talents for three or four years, and then we'll draft somebody else. Like I'm not I'm not making the mistake that Dallas and and Los Angeles made. And I think there are very few of those type of running backs. And we just Melvin Gordon's not old, and he had to settle for a two year deal in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not an old player. He's he's still talented, but that's the market that's the market it's going to be interesting to see what derrick henry gets and mm-hmm. some of these other free agent running backs Kenyon drake and aaron jones and dalvin cook joe mixon you know it's it's just a different 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 nfl money ball whatever you want to call it it's sucks to say it as a former player but it's the absolute right move i can I, you can go find running backs off the street and throw them out there, and they can give you a usable week. The, yeah. And that's the reality. They really can't. Jonathan Williams, we were spending all of our fab money on yep. Jonathan freaking Williams last year, and now, like, now is he still on the Colts? No idea. It, is, <laughs> it, it, no, I – come on, man. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and do you think um, – or you saw you saw players try to flex a couple years ago, right? Like Le'Veon Bell tried to flex and held out the whole season, and 
and Melvin Gordon try to do the same thing. Um, do you think part of this is could be a pushback from owners and um, you know that they're it's not going to work. You know, you you can't keep trying to hold out and 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 bully your way to a contract when we can just replace you so easily. Yeah, it's it's not going to work. Very few players have that type of pull to make that happen. Um, that the owners will win out. The owners will win out unless some things are changed in the CBA to give the players more power. But they really that they really are powerless in a lot of these situations. So they can threaten to hold out as much as they want. And then when you do that, look what Melvin Gordon lost money. Mm-hmm. And he said it. He said, if I could have gone back, I would not have done that. You know, Le'Veon Bell signed for what the exact same thing or a little bit less little than less. what he could have had. Yeah. Uh, and that's a year before, like he could have been another year into that contract. So and ended up at the Jets, where with it, Adam Gase, it, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I just think that very few players, and you see, Carolina didn't even let Christian McCaffrey get to that point. They just went ahead and locked him up, and yep. you saw Dallas Zeke, and Zeke had every right. I mean, from coming into the league, I think it was like three straight thousand yard seasons. You know, rushing titles, like, I want to get paid. Like, pay me. And he kind of had the Cowboys by the balls. But, you know, Todd Gurley's contract messed things up for a lot of people. When you look at Devonta Freeman and even Jarek McKinnon, Deion Lewis, some of those deals that those players have, they're they're just – look how quick – like, Tommy, look how quick those players that I just named faded out. Devonta Freeman was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. Easily. Deion Lewis was hotness. We all wanted Deion Lewis. Like, these players are just – you don't even think about drafting Deion Lewis right now. You don't – Devonta Freeman has no team right now. It's just – it's a it's a crap position, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not – it's a new NFL. And, and uh, yeah, those guys just aren't going to last like they used to do – like they used to last back in the day. You're not having Jerome Bettis, you know, that's – retiring at almost what 40 or whatever he was you know that's not right. gonna be those guys and then there's frank gore though that like just totally take you know like breaks the mold of every single running back that's he's ever the been the last league. of that era yeah. he's the last of that that old school era and, and so um you know rounding out like a lot of these rookies uh who who's your sleeper of this class who do you like that's really getting drafted real late in rookie drafts or even just in startups that you have your eye on that um, you're, you're hoping is going to be a lot better than, than where his ADP is showing him. Oh man, this is, uh, uh, a, a deep, a deep stab, deep dive rookie that I'm higher on. And man, I don't, gosh, I really can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, I mean, some people have, you know, like Darrington Evans or, I mean, Lynn Bowden. Yeah, but he's in that same – yeah, he's in that same range as Josh Kelly to me. So that's – you know, he's not really uh, a deep dive for me. I'm trying to to give you somebody that that is sort of off the radar that nobody's talking about. And I I don't – I don't know. After <laughs> after round three, the depth of this class, I think it was okay. But, I mean, Devin Duvernay mm-hmm. is somebody. I don't know how deep that is. I like him in Baltimore. But then today they're talking about Baltimore potentially looking at Antonio Brown. So that would kind of spoil those up. plans. Uh, maybe Isaiah Hodgins in Buffalo. Yeah, maybe. Like maybe, you know, he's a big-bodied wide receiver with Josh Allen who definitely struggles with accuracy. But outside of Stephon Diggs and who the hell else is out there for Buffalo? Oh, Smokey Brown and um, – Smokey Brown and all those – like, Yeah, they're, they're all the same type of wide receiver. Yeah. So when you've got a six foot four, two hundred pounds – and I, I'm a, I was a big fan of Isaiah Hodgins at uh, Oregon State. I think he's a talented wide receiver. You know, he's and even for his size, he's not he's not an unathletic player. So that's somebody that you can get fourth round of rookie drafts and potentially off your waiver wire. So I'd say Hodgins and then the the kid from Chicago, Mooney, uh, Darnell uh, Mooney. Uh, I think he's he's another player, speedster, fast guy, and. Pass catchers outside of um, and and uh, Anthony Rob Anthony uh, what's his name Allen Robinson. Yep. I know, you know Miller's there, uh, Taylor Gabriel, but it's still kind of wide open there. So 
he's another one of those players, fourth, fifth round waiver wire rookies that I, I wouldn't mind taking a stab on in a Dynasty. Yeah, I like that one. That's a new one for me. Uh, I will admit, um, he, he's not someone that was has been on my radar. Uh, a lot of names have come up and been like Quintus Cephas uh, or even Van Jefferson. But you know, I think you can argue, you know, again in that same kind of realm uh, that you were mentioning with Josh Kelly. But yeah, Mooney, that's that's definitely someone I'm gonna add to my list because um, I wasn't on my radar at all before talking to you. So I appreciate that. You know, and and so you know, that's 2020. Um, I've already been touting on, on a couple of articles that, you know, people really need to start paying attention to the 2021 class, start buying some 2021 20, seconds, uh, wherever you can, cause it'll definitely be a lot cheaper than those 2021 firsts. Uh, but you can still make some really good moves with a bunch of seconds in your hand. So, um, you know, we, we've all heard the big names for 2021, but, but who's really on your radar as, you know, your top guy and, and then, you know, someone that's definitely worth watching that could rise um, this season if as long as we have a season. Well, the 2021 class is loaded uh, from the wide receiver position uh, that we've got three, four, five potential first round quarterbacks, the tight ends. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we we have been we've been uh, missing the tight end class. We had nothing in 2020. I wouldn't nothing. even invest in a tight end in 2020. But come 2021, man, we've got some – I believe there's a, a very real chance that we see three tight ends drafted in the first round of the NFL draft next year. Wow. But when you're just talking about a, a player or two that, that I have my eye on that could really pop this season, uh, I go to North Carolina, and they've got a wide receiver, uh, Dayami Brown, who's absolutely dynamic, and he's playing with – arguably the you know top five quarterback in college football with Sam Howell so they're going to put up points with Howell and Brown and Daz Newsome they're going to throw the ball around a lot in the ACC and right now for me in the 2021 class I think he's right outside of my top 12 wide receivers but with his size and speed I believe we, there's a world in which he he's viewed as a consensus top 10 wide receiver prospect in that class I know everybody is talking about Trey Lance at the at the quarterback position. Yep. Kind of a hot take, but I do believe there is a world in which Trey Lance is drafted ahead of Justin Fields. I, I really do. Ooh. And Trey Trey Lance is a talented, talented quarterback prospect. Um, and if if we get to the twenty twenty NFL draft. And we hear Trey Lance's name come off the board before Justin Fields. Just remember I said it here first. I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> at all about that. I, I, I think he's that good of a wide receiver. And then one of my favorite running backs in the 2021 class that a lot of people still have not been talking about is Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis. He is dynamic. You know, everybody talks about Antonio Gibson mm -hmm. and how good he was on limited touches. Well, the reason why he had limited touches is because this redshirt freshman rushed for over 1,400 yards and then caught over 600 receiving yards as a redshirt freshman. And That's if I had to guess on uh, the college football leader in all-purpose yards for the 2020 season – it would be Kenneth Gainwell and Chuba Hubbard. So he's that talented. He's a little smaller. Hopefully he can gain some weight, which I don't think he will have any problem with that with the last name Gainwell, but he's somebody <laughs> who's uh, pretty high on my uh, radar for 2021. I like that. I like those names a lot. Yeah, this class is stacked. And that's why, again, grab those 2021 seconds wherever you can because you're going to be able to get a lot of them for – some players that you're, you know, really ready to move on and, and sell and, and you know, start building your team for the future. I, I love what 2021 has to offer. Really excited for that draft class. And then, you know, uh, as as the guru of Debbie, this goes a little bit deeper than just 2021. I mean, obviously, we're talking about uh, 22 and later for Dynasty as well. But, you know, as a Debbie guy, um, who, who's class of 2022 and beyond? That, that we need to be keeping our eye on and watching. 2022, I already, I already named one of the players, Sam Howell, the quarterback from the University of North Carolina. I think you're looking at the potential uh, number one quarterback off of the board in 2022. I, I don't think he'll be the number one player because Oregon has a defensive end, Kevon Thibodeau, who is absolutely just 
ridiculous. He's probably going to be the number one overall pick in 2022. But you've got Sam Howell and Keaton Slovis, the quarterback out of USC, who oh, yeah. to me are at the top of the class at the quarterback position. Running backs, you've got Zach Charbonnet out of Michigan, Brees Hall from Iowa State. You've also got a, a couple of other rushers, uh, Eric Gray from Tennessee, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. Both of the, all four of those guys are talented running back prospects. But the jewel, the jewel in 2022, if we're not talking quarterbacks, it's George Pickens, the big wide receiver out of Georgia. He truly is an AJ Green clone. Yeah. He, if he were to come out in this class, uh, 2020. I think he probably would have pushed for the number one overall wide receiver in 2020. He's that good. He's that talented. He's that good. So you got George Pickens. You've got Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, C.J. Johnson from East Carolina. It's just they've got a lot of talented players in the 2022 class. And then 2023, B. John Robinson out of Texas, Tank Bixby, uh, Auburn. You've got quarterbacks, DJU at Clemson, who's next up after Trevor Lawrence. Bryce yep, yep. Young may end up starting at Alabama this year. So we're in good hands at the it, from the collegiate landscape. We're in we're in really, really good hands. Yeah, and don't forget uh, Bryce Young over at Alabama. And uh, going against uh, DJ Uyelanga Lele. Uh, Got to get that name right for my, for my family that's related to him. Um, but those two quarterbacks were balling it out in local high school football here in Southern California. So to see them potentially go and do it again in college is going to be great in a couple of years. Yeah. Yep. And so as we get close to the end of this, Ray, I appreciate you being on here. One thing we always do for our listeners is try to drop some free nuggets. Free nuggets. That's just any words of advice uh, that you might have for, for our listeners for, uh, you know, from a dynasty or a Debbie perspective, or even just fa- playing fantasy football in general. Yeah, word of advice right now would be, and I know Tommy, you you just tell the people to go get those twenty twenty one seconds. My my word of advice is every trade that you make, ask for twenty twenty two picks as well. Twenty twenty two first, twenty twenty two seconds, because. While everybody is kind of focused on the Jamar Chases and the Rondell Moores and Trevor Lawrence's of 2021, not many people are thinking about Eric Gray in 2022 or Isaiah Spiller in 2022 or Drake London out of USC. So it may be even easier for you to acquire first round 2022 picks than a 2021 second. So in every what I tell my patrons, every single like post I make for them is ask for a 2022 first in every single trade offer that you send. Every single one. Ask for 2022 picks. And I know you're kind of like, oh man, that's two years out. Well, <laughs> when that time comes and you're sitting on five, six, 2022 first, four or five, 2022 seconds man, that stuff is going to be like absolute gold. So, and, and you've, you've acquired it for nothing. And that's how you, that's how you consistently win is when you start doing that and pre-planning years in advance. So ask for 2022 first round picks in every single trade that you offer. Free nuggets. That's great advice. And you heard it here first from the man, Ray GQ. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Ray GQ. Ray, where else can we find your work? What should we be looking out for? What's what's coming up? Man, I'm all over the place. Uh, Fade the Noise. Uh, I'll be doing video stuff for them, so make sure you check out Destination Debbie and subscribe to that on YouTube. That's where all the Fade the Noise content will be. Of course, I'm a uh, writer and ranker over at Dynasty League Football, DLF. But if you want exclusive content, if you want access to me, if you want my personal cornerstone rankings, if you want uh, my Devi 200, if you want access to me, betting, slips, parlay, talk, and then engage with probably the best Devi community in fantasy football, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash all gas and join the All-American tier and uh, hang out with the All Gas Army, the squad over there at Destination Devi. Hell yeah, Ray. All gas, all day. Ray, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for talking with me today. And um, yeah, I'll catch you on Twitter. And, and best of luck with everything again uh, on Fade the Noise and, and hitting that 10K. I'm sure you'll be 20K uh, anytime soon. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me.
right on everyone and make sure to go to hit the subscribe button destination Debbie hit the patreon account lots of great info fabulous content from Ray consistent fabulous content from Ray more importantly and always thank you for showing up thank you for listening hit the subscribe button hit that rate and review and remember with a two-on-one crew you'll always outnumber the competition That boy 